Yes, friends and I have talked about the fact that we're together at priest gatherings. It seems like not so long ago that we were the young priest, and <laughs> where did the time go? But um, yeah, 40 years and, and grateful for the opportunity to serve the Lord as his priest, and grateful for the chance to be with you today. Perhaps some of you have heard um, the story of the older lady who was visiting with the little boy after Mass one Sunday. And she asked him a few questions and was very impressed with his answers. And so she said, you know, you're a very good little boy. How did you learn so much about God and learn to be holy? And the little boy said, well, I guess it just runs in my family. Well, that is the case for me. The desire to be holy, the desire to walk with God, runs in my family. Now, in the inter um, just being completely honest here, um, no one ever told me when I was a little boy, aren't you a good little boy? You're very holy. But <laughs> it took me a while to grow into that, I think. But faithfulness, a relationship with God, has always been part of my life. I come from a long line of faithful people. I still remember my grandfather, John, who helped out <clears throat> as a volunteer at his local parish in Coffeyville, Kansas. He would tell lots of stories, my favorite being when he and the other guys in the parish would help father take out the trash. Back in those days, many years ago, they burned the trash. And they always say that father would give them a match to burn the trash. And if that first match didn't work, they had to go back and get a second match from father. So a frugal pastor. My mom's mom led the singing in her small Methodist church for over 50 years. And growing up, some of my happiest memories were playing the piano with grandma and her daughters all gathered around as we sang all sorts of hymns. And my mom and dad have always been good examples of faith for me. I grew up always going to church, always believing that it is important to do our best to walk with God each day. My own personal journey of faith, well, it started on, let me see, September 30th, 1956, when I was baptized at Holy Name Church in Coffeyville, Kansas. I lived in a couple of small towns in Kansas growing up, the oldest of six kids, I should say. And um, then we moved to Joplin, Missouri, where we continued, wherever we went, we were involved in church. I went to Catholic schools throughout grade school, a couple of different schools. I graduated from a small Catholic high school called Macaulay in Joplin, Missouri. and. Um, I was um, the valedictorian, which is not such um, a great, impressive thing because there were um, 25 people in my graduating class. There was a one in 25 shot. But the bishop was there because it was a high school graduation, a Catholic high school. And he asked me if I'd ever thought about um, priesthood. And I said, well, when I was young, 
Well, I was planning to go to the University of Missouri and study pre-law. He said, well, think about it, pray about it. And if you think it's what God wants you to do, I want you to contact me. Well, a few weeks later, I, was, I had prayed um, simple prayers before going to bed. Um, I would not make myself out to be a pillar of devotion, but I prayed every morning, I prayed at night. It just hit me very powerful, very powerfully, that God wanted me to be a priest. So I talked to my parents the next morning, who were a little surprised because they thought I was going to the University of Missouri to do a pre-law thing, but she said, well, if it's what you think God wants you to do, let's go talk to, to our pastor. And so we did, talk to the pastor, talk to the vocation director, talk to the bishop, and three months after graduating from high school, I was in the seminary. I went to college seminary at the Josephinum in Columbus, Ohio. Um, when I graduated from college seminary, my family had moved from Joplin to Lawton, Oklahoma. I was in a bit of a quandary, not sure exactly what to do. I knew I wanted to be a priest, but where? Eventually, through a series of circumstances, I transferred that summer from Springfield, Cape Girardeau in southern Missouri to become a seminarian for this archdiocese. I then went to St. Meinrad and did four years of theology there. So eight years of seminary, which is kind of the par for the course, or at least it was back then. And I have to, oh, there we go. I'm just looking at my watch. I don't have my phone with me. And so my, my watch was telling me it was 817. And so I, I knew that wasn't right. So I'm just trying to keep, my, be, to be mindful of time. So I went to a seminary. And it was good, um, a period of discernment and um, studied all the things one studies. Um, as an undergraduate, I studied English as my major, but a minor in philosophy, 24 hours. And so, but and did pastoral work and all of those things. Um, went to St. Meinrad and obviously studying theology and scripture and counseling and um, liturgy and all canon law, all the things that are important. One thing I didn't study in seminary, which is what I've done numerous times as a priest, is anything about starting a parish or construction projects. <laughs> and but I guess that's life. You, you go to school, you learn things, but that's just what you need to make a beginning. It's not everything you need to know. So um, I was ordained by Archbishop Salatka, May 29th, 1982 at Our Lady's Cathedral. My first assignment was Christ the King. I was there for a year and a half, great parish. Um, the challenging part of that assignment was that I got there in June and just around the 4th of July, Father Clem Pribble, some of you may remember, had some kind of attack, some health episode. We found out two months later, he had an inoperable brain tumor. So I spent my first year and a half, um, well, just trying to do the best I could and trying to be of help to Father Pribble as his health declined. And um, he died. Um, the following summer. It was challenging in some ways, 
But reassuring in others, because while I came to experience, first, my brother priest helped me out, and the people were great. Um, that's why I like being a priest in Oklahoma. I think the people are great. Every place I've been, there are wonderful people. And I've told myself and told others over the, year, over the years, the key to being a successful priest is to surround yourself with talented, dedicated people. And they've been wherever I've been assigned, people who love the Lord, people who have wanted to help me in my responsibility. So I um, was there for a year and a half, then went, uh, my second assignment as associate pastor, went to um, St. Thomas More in Norman, where I spent five and a half years, um, some really good years in Norman. Um, I was doing campus ministry. It's very exciting to work with young people as they discern, decide what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. Um, I became an OU fan. Um, <laughs> something which remains the case to this day. So, but um, good years. And um, then it was time to be a pastor. And I was assigned to Prince of Peace in Altus and Our Lady of Guadalupe in Hollis. Again, a good assignment, very different from campus ministry in Norman, being about as far southwest in Oklahoma, well, not about, as far southwest in Oklahoma as you can be. <laughs> And yes, you jokingly said uh, it was coming from, coming from the, the Wild West, but um, now nah. compared to <laughs> Altus and Hollis, um, Yukon, not so far west, but um, <laughs> it's rural ministry, I jokingly say, but um, 15 minutes from downtown. So it's kind of the best of both possible worlds in some sense, but I'll get there in a minute. So I was out there and... Um, well, I'll go ahead and say this. It was one of those things where I was out there. I'd heard they were starting a new parish in Norman. I had loved Norman. I still love Norman. And so I was at a support group, a priest support group meeting, and they were talking about it. And I just said to a friend who was on the personnel board that I was a little surprised as they were talking about who might start this new parish, that they hadn't at least mentioned my name as a possibility. And he said, oh, well, we discussed it a little bit, but I told them you were happy in Altus. <laughs> and I said, um, this was actually Father Bill Pruitt, who was a good friend. I said, well, let's just say I'm happy in Altus. It's a good place to be. But if the Archbishop, in his infinite wisdom, would like me to come back to Norman to start a new parish, I'd love the opportunity. And so that's what happened. I came back to Norman to start a new parish. It was quite an adventure. I met with the other two pastors who gave me a list of the names of people who lived on the west side of I-35 in Norman. And I sent out letters. Oh, and basically, and they gave me, I think, seventeen or $18,000, kind of a little money to start out. The archbishop said, okay, you'll have a list of names from the other pastors, a little money. You need to find a place to meet, a place to live, and um, you've got 10 acres, go build a church. <laughs> Never discussed in seminary. So I sent out letters, and on July 14th, we gathered for, of, let me see, 91. We gathered 
the place I found was, the, it used to be the Sheraton Hotel on I-35 in Robinson. So I got the ballroom there, reserved it <clears throat> for the foreseeable future. My, pam my family came, a lot of my family, because they did not want me to celebrate Mass alone, because we had, we had no idea. But I'd rented maybe half the ballroom, I forget the exact details, but whatever space I'd rented wasn't enough. I had brought 200 hosts, thinking that was being optimistic. By the end of communion, I was breaking the host into smaller and smaller pieces. And someone who was to become my good friend and racquetball partner always over the years has said, you know, I still think that's the smallest piece of the Eucharist I've ever received. I think he got maybe a quarter of a host. Because we had about 350 people at that first Mass. And so we started with about 200 families, and it was just wonderful. There's something about starting a new parish that these were people who wanted to be, they wanted to be part of the new parish. It helped that I knew many of them from St. Thomas More, from my years there. Many of them I didn't know, but they stepped forward and um, had all, all kinds of help. And so, um, actually, my first rectory, I have to say, it was my first rectory there. There was a parishioner from St. A husband and wife, parishioners at St. Joe's in Norman, who were um, doing missionary work, um, very dedicated people, Homer and Marilyn Brown. And they said they were going to be gone, and I found this out from one of the other pastors. I was welcome to stay at their house. It was kind of the campus area with a swimming pool in the front yard, which is kind of fenced in, but a very cool house. The only rectory I've ever had or ever will have was a swimming pool. But that's where I, has, that's where I started out. Then we bought a house right next to the property. Um, we met at the, what we called um, St. Sheridan um, for just over a year and a half. And then we, we had the dedication of our first church. And then the parish kept growing and growing, eventually dedicated the permanent church and other facilities. And I had the great joy of watching that parish grow um, in the 11 years I was pastor from 200 families to 1,000 families. And of course, that was God at work. Um, God at work through me, of course, I had my responsibilities, but also through the wonderful people who gathered around. So that was, um, that was a special time, those 11 years. Um, then the Archbishop asked me to go to St. John's in Edmond. Um, every place I've gone has been a little different. St. John's in Edmond is just big. It's just a big place. And I, I, um, I was a little sad to be leaving, not sad to be going to St. John's, but St. Mark's had kind of been my baby. So I remember as I was pulling out, um, I had to stop along the side of the road um, and just cry for a minute or two then dry my eyes and, and head north. Um, it was a little overwhelming at first when you um, start a parish with 200 families, you kind of get to know people gradually and the parish grows. And I went to St. John's and there were about 3,000 families. <laughs> and so um, met all kinds of people, had a great staff. Um, there, um, Father Petusky was my predecessor and, and he was there um, for um, over a year of as Pastor Emeritus, a wonderful man. He had a dinner for me when, um, just on the night before I was ordained a priest at St. Francis. 
I was with him as a seminarian. And so to be with him and just to try to be helpful to him as his journey um, his battle with cancer took its toll. But um, so that was, he was wonderful. The staff was great. And um, by a chance to build something again, because they had been talking about building and, um, okay, um, God has a sense of humor. I'm called to build something else. So, um, but we, uh, I had wonderful people, um, including I see my, my good friend, Karen Kindworthy, um, online and the Kenworthies, I, I could go. There were so many people that rallied around, had a great staff, had committed people, um, had good associate pastors. And so um, I really enjoyed St. John's um, and was there for 10 years. Then um, the Archbishop was at Archbishop Coakley asked me if I would go to the cathedral. I had a feeling this might happen. I mean, you never know. Um, in some ways, all of my moves have been a surprise to me. When you're a young priest, you kind of plan everything out. And everything I planned out as a young priest has not happened. <laughs> but every place I've been has been a place of, of blessings. And so I, um, when Monsignor Weisenberger became Bishop Weisenberger, a few people said, oh, I, I said, well, we'll see. But sure enough, the Archbishop called and asked me to go to the cathedral which I was honored to do, um, the church in which I was ordained, the Mother Church of the Archdiocese, and again, a place of, of many blessings. Um, the cathedral is half Vietnamese, and so I had no idea how much I was going to enjoy that, <clears throat> but, um, but I did um, very much, and once again, building was be involved. Uh, the Archbishop said he had some plans for renovation. I thought, okay, maybe we're going to move the tabernacle and do a few other... No, it wasn't just... We moved the tabernacle, but we did a lot of other things. As you know, if you've been to the cathedral in recent years, but it was a, a great project. Um, a lot of good people involved. Um, of course, the Archbishop oversaw it all, but um, worked with wonderful people and, um, and enjoyed that, being there at the cathedral. Um, until uh, a year and a half ago, <clears throat> I was at the cathedral for nine years, and I kind of thought I might be staying for 10, until the archbishop gave me a call, and we talked regularly since I was rector of the cathedral, just to say, uh, when I was a member of the personnel board, I um, still am, we talked about things, and I kind of thought I knew who was moving where that year. He said, well, there are going to be a few additional moves, and you'll be involved. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I was a little surprised, but I thought, um, over the years, um, about parishes I might enjoy going to. I've been to St. John's in Yukon for, um, oh, penance rites, for other things. I've always thought it would be a nice parish to serve. And so I said, um, very quick prayer, please let me say St. John's. And um, he said, I'd like you to go to St. John Nepomuk in Yukon. <laughs> And it is the quickest response to a prayer I have ever had. <laughs> Five seconds later, the prayer is answered. So I'm out at St. John's, where I have the privilege of being Miguel's pastor. Um, it is a, a great place to be. Um, and I, at this stage of the journey, 40 years into priesthood, um, what a great place to be. Um, I've talked about where I've been. Uh, let me just talk a little bit 
about the blessing of being a priest. It is a wonderful thing to be a priest for 40 years and to think back on all the blessings on the journey, all the people whose lives I've touched, all the people whose lives have touched me, all the baptisms and confessions and first communions and confirmations and weddings and funerals, just sharing in people's lives. And what I, of course, have come to appreciate more and more as the years have gone by, I think I am a good priest, not because I am good, but because God is good and because I allow the Lord to work in me and through me. Looking back, of course, you look at things and say, well, I could have done this a little better or that a little better. But also looking back, I'm just aware of countless blessings, countless blessings on the journey. And it has been an interesting thing for me. I've told my spiritual director over the last year, he's been my spiritual director for five or six years now, I get surprised on a regular basis by joy. Just, my heart is just full. And often that's when celebrating the Eucharist. I've always known that nothing is more important for a priest than to celebrate the Eucharist, to pray with God's people, to ask God to send His Holy Spirit upon our simple gifts of bread and wine that they might become for us the body and the blood of Christ. It is the most important thing a priest does. But as the journey has progressed, I've always enjoyed celebrating Mass. Now, sometimes if it's the fourth or fifth or sixth Mass of the weekend, the energy level may not be peak. I've always enjoyed celebrating Mass, but oh my goodness. There are just times um, in recent years, especially in this past year, where I am just overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord in the Eucharist which we receive, the Eucharist which we adore, and of course present in the community. Uh, that is a wonderful thing. <laughs>